Today I'm going to tell you two stories. One is about St. Patrick, and the other is from the Bible about Joseph and his brother Judah. And these stories share a lesson, and that is that God often needs to bring us back to a painful place in life so that he can bring healing and redemption for that situation. That's the common theme. So the first story is found in the book of Genesis. It actually spans Genesis chapters 37 all the way to 47. I won't be uh, reading those 10 chapters, but instead I'm going to tell you about this story. The main character is Joseph. And Joseph has uh, 11 brothers and a father named Jacob. And Joseph is Jacob's favorite. He's, a, he's favorite. And, and so the father, Jacob, gives Joseph this multicolored coat, this bright colored coat. And every time his brothers see that coat, it reminds them that Joseph is dad's favorite. And it really ticks them off. Not only that, but Joseph has dreams. That's one of the gifts God has given him. He has dreams, and in those dreams, he dreams that not only is he favored by his father, but that God will favor him over his brothers. And he tells his brothers this, and that makes them even more angry with him. So one day, uh, the brothers are tending their flocks out in the wilderness, and here comes Joseph traipsing along in his multicolored coat, and they look at one another and they say, let's kill him. Yeah, that's, talk about dysfunctional families. They, let's kill him. Their own brother. Well, Reuben, and it's St. Patrick's Day, Reuben's sandwich is one of my favorite sandwiches, but um, I guess that has nothing to do with this. That's not relevant. Um, but Reuben, he, he says, like, all right, maybe we shouldn't kill him. Let's put him in this deep pit as we figure out what do we do with our brother. And just then, a, a caravan of Midianites are traveling towards Egypt. And Judah, okay, this is one of, again, um, Joseph's brothers, says, yeah, you know what? Let's not kill him because there's no profit in that. Instead, let's sell him to those Midianites as a slave. And then at least we'll get some money. If we kill him, there's, you know, no money in that. So the brothers agree. They dip his multicolored coat in goat's blood, and they bring it to their father, and they say, we don't know what happened to Joseph. It looks like he was killed by some wild animals. And meanwhile, Joseph gets brought to Egypt and sold as a slave uh, to the Egyptians. Now, we'll fast forward a couple of decades, and in that time, yes, Joseph started as a slave in Egypt, but because God was with him and because of his uh, gift of dream interpretation, he starts out as a slave, but then he just keeps getting promoted and keep getting favored until a couple decades later, he's actually the second in command to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And one of the reasons he's second in command, is that there's a, a dream that the Pharaoh has, and God was warning Pharaoh that there's going to be a very uh, severe drought. There's going to be a whole lot of starvation. There's going to be drought. So in these years of plenty, why don't you stock things up for those years of drought? And Joseph tells Pharaoh this, and Pharaoh says, that's wonderful. Actually, I'll make you. You do that. You be my second in command. 
So although Joseph had gone through this very painful place, God was blessing him and prospering him. Well, even when the drought came, Egypt was okay because they did those storehouses. But the rest of the Mediterranean was in severe drought and people were starving. Even Joseph's family back up in Palestine were starving. And they say, the brothers say to the father, this isn't any good. I hear there's grain down in Egypt. Let's go get some. So they come before Joseph. And they don't recognize Joseph because he's in his full Egyptian regalia. He doesn't look like a Hebrew anymore. It's been 20 years. So they don't recognize him, but Joseph recognizes them. So Joseph, he's overcome with emotion. He's having to revisit one of the most painful memories in his life. What's he going to do? And his brothers, they must face up to what they've done too. So here Joseph is facing up to this painful place. But he wants to make sure that his brothers also face up to this painful thing. So he, he, he kind of tricks them. He does a little test. And he says, all right, he, he claims that, you know what, I think you're spies. You're not really here to, to buy grain. You are spies. So this is what you want to do. If, I want, if you want me to believe you, and they still don't realize this is their brother, if you want me to believe you, go get your father, bring him back. But I'm going to keep Benjamin as, as sort of a surety against this. Now, Benjamin was one of the brothers when Joseph, when he was gone, guess who became the new favorite? It was Benjamin. Well, other places in Genesis that it becomes clear that the brothers are, are wondering, they're like, wait, what's going on here? This, also, this kind of reminds us of what happened with Joseph. Is God trying to make us face up to this painful thing? And indeed he was. And what was, and, and this time though, Judah who sold out his brother Joseph, he speaks up. And so looking at Genesis 44, verse 30, this is what Judah says, okay? When Joseph says, all right, you got to go get your, keep, I'm going to keep Benjamin. You go and get your, Jacob, your father, bring him back. This is what Judah says. Will he sell his brother Benjamin out? Verse 30, Judah speaking, he says, Now therefore, as soon as I come to your servant, my father, and the boy, that's Benjamin, is not with us, then as his life is bound up in the boy's life, as soon as he sees that the boy is not with us, he will die. And your servants will bring down the gray hairs of your servant, your, our father, with sorrow to Sheol, to the grave. For your servant, that now he's speaking of, Judah speaking of himself, became a pledge of safety for the boy to my father, saying, if I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father all my life. Now, therefore, please let, let your servant, he's saying, let me remain instead of the boy as a servant to my Lord and let the boy go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see evil that would find my father. So here, Judah says, take me instead. Right? I give myself in place of Benjamin, my brother. Wow, what a contrast. What a contrast, whereas before Judah was selling his brother out, now Judah, as he's facing that painful experience in his life, he's saying, no, take me instead. Take me instead. A similar situation where he had to look after his brother, now he shows a growth, a repentance. And seeing Judah's reaction, 
Joseph, he can't hide himself any longer. He, he reveals himself to his brothers because God is now bringing healing into those relationships. He brings forgiveness to Joseph's heart even as he's returned to the most painful experience in his life. This is what he says, Genesis 45.1. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who st um, stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. Again, they, they didn't know Joseph was growing as he's facing this place of pain. They don't know that God's been doing a work in him. So they're scared because they did something very wrong. Um, so Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near and he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which they will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So here is God brought Joseph back face to face again with that place of pain. Joseph was able to forgive and to see, not only, not only forgive, but to see how God could use this awful experience for his greater purpose. And in fact, that greater purpose was to actually preserve the lives of his family, to preserve the life of, of, of Jacob, who would become Israel, and then the brothers would become the 12 tribes of Israel. They were integral to God's plan of salvation for the world. And through this, God was preserving his plan and his people, despite the pain. And now Joseph could see that. So yeah, that's a happy ending for a time. We won't go into the rest of it, but, you know, hundreds of years later, th there's more enslavement and all that. But I want you to look at how both Joseph and Judah had to return to a painful place, a, a place of brokenness. And when they did, God brought healing and he brought redemption to that whole ordeal. And, and God achieved something beyond all of them. And so as we look to apply this story, you know, God, he, he often will bring us back to face a, a place of pain. And it's not to torture us. But in facing up to that pain, he can bring healing and even redeem the brokenness that that place called, caused for his purposes. And it often happens when we do hit rock bottom but it, not always, because look at Joseph. God brought Joseph back to face that place of pain when he was the most prosperous he had ever been. Right? He, he was second in command of Pharaoh. So it's not only that God brings us back to those places of pain when we're at rock bottom. Sometimes it's even when we, things seem to be going well, but yet there's that thing in us that says, no, I can't really continue. I can't really find the healing. I can't really find the redemption in this thing. I'd rather just avoid it. But God says, no, I'm going to do something through you. I'm going to bring a healing to you. And I'm going to use this situation in you in a greater way. But we need to go back to that place of pain. And God does a miraculous thing. And God can do the same thing with you and I. 
bring us back to that place of pain. And I know perhaps some of you are thinking, well, Pastor, you don't understand my wounds, what I've been through. And, you know, I, I may not. But I do know that, that Joseph, I mean, he was, he was abused and betrayed by his brothers. And yet God worked in his situation. I also know as we look forward to Holy Week, Jesus himself was betrayed and tortured on a cross, and yet through that experience, God brought redemption to the whole world. So God is in the business of taking and bringing us to a place of pain and, and bringing healing and redemption through that place. And so instead of avoiding, instead of trying to uh, you know, act as if that didn't happen, perhaps God is bringing you back to that place. What is your place of pain? As you think about that, some of you, you already know, but others, you know, you're, 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 you need to think about that a little bit. Let me tell you another story. This is about St. Patrick. Now, it is, you know, this weekend in, in Holyoke, there'd be the parade, but there's no parade, there's no road race, so, you know, we got to celebrate as best we can. I wore green, although I don't need to. I'm naturally green, you know, so... I don't need to do anything special. I just roll green. Um, but, you know, Patrick's often misunderstood. He's considered the patron saint of Ireland, but, you know, he wasn't even Irish. He was born in what was now Scotland. Um, and you don't mess up Scottish and Irish people. They don't like that. Um, and there's many legends about St. Patrick, like he drove the snakes out of Ireland, the four-leaf clover thing. And then there's all of the St. Patrick's Day things that are connected to the holiday that really have nothing to do with them, like leprechauns and dyeing your beard green and drinking Guinness and all that stuff. But, you know, St. Patrick, he was a real person, and he actually wrote stuff. Again, he, he wrote what's called the Confessio, which talks about his experience. It's one of the earliest writings from Ireland, because, um, and so... He has a story to tell, so let me tell it. In the year 405 A.D., so that's quite a while ago, um, Patrick was 16 years old, and he was raised in a Christian family, but like many teenagers uh, of today, he's just like, yeah, I, I don't want to have anything to do with that. You know, he kind of ignored his family's faith. But all that changed when um, a raiding party came and uh, captured Patrick, and that day at the edges of the Roman Empire, that's the kind of stuff went on. They captured Patrick and they brought him to Ireland and they sold him as a slave to an Irish chieftain named Milchu. And there in the fields, one of his jobs was to watch the flocks. And this again, I, I see the connections to Joseph and, and his brothers here, but he, to watch the flocks. And at that time, the faith that his parents had talked about he stopped, he didn't ignore it anymore, rather he grabbed onto it. And the, at night after night, as he was watching those flocks, he would pray to God. And in fact, in his, uh, for six years, he was in bondage. And those six years caused Patrick to know God intimately. In fact, uh, this is what he writes in his Confessio section 16. Again, if you're interested in reading it, there's a link on our Facebook page where you can read it free on the, um, his, his writings. But this is what he writes. This is what Patrick writes. He says, after I arrived in Ireland, I tended sheep every day, and I prayed frequently during the day. More and more, the love of God increased and my sense of awe before God. 
Faith grew and my spirit was moved so that in one day I would pray up to 100 times and at night perhaps the same. I even remained in the woods and on the mountains and I would rise to pray before dawn in snow and ice and rain. I never felt the worse for it and I never felt lazy. As I realize now, the spirit was burning in me at that time. So it's amazing. God was with him and, and we one of our Scripture memory verses from last month was Psalm 145.1. The Lord is near. The Lord is near to all those who call upon him in truth. And that's what Patrick was doing. He was calling upon the Lord, and God was with him in that place of pain. That's a, a different sermon. But he was with Patrick. And then as he was, as Patrick one day, as he always did, was praying to God, he received a vision from God. Then God said, it's time. After six years, it's time for you to flee. It's time for you to go back to your homeland. And so that's what Patrick did. He up and he left. Now, there was still lots of dangers because uh, he went to stow away in one ship, but they found him and said, you can't come on here. But through God's providence and through his, his blessing, I mean, when God tells you to do something, he'll provide the means. He got on that ship. And then as he was going back to his home, there was starvation and all this stuff. But God kept providing so that Patrick finally made it back to his home. But just because Patrick was no longer in difficulty and suffering didn't mean he stopped, you know, he abandoned his faith, no. And he kept his faith. His, the faith that he had from his time as a slave continued with him so that he entered the priesthood. Happy ending, right? But wait, there's more. 20 years later, God put it into Patrick's heart to return to the place of his pain, to the place of his enslavement. And all the people said, no, Patrick, that's crazy. Why in the world would you want to go back there? Because, and they really looked down on the Irish at that time because the gospel hadn't been there. There was really no Christians there. They're like, why would you want to go back to those pagan Irish? I don't even know if they can become Christians. I mean, that's how prejudiced they were. And what's interesting is if anyone had a reason to look down on, on the Irish or harbor hate in their heart, it would have been Patrick because they're the ones who enslaved him. And yet God had done something in his heart. As he realizes he needs to return to that place of pain, God brought where there was pain, he brought healing. Where there was hate, he brought love. So that, God, that Patrick knew, I need to go there. And Patrick was in his mid-40s when he returned to Ireland. Now, many people think I, uh, Patrick was the first missionary to Ireland, but that's not true. Actually, a man named Palladius was the first missionary to Ireland, but he wasn't very successful at all. But Patrick, when he returned to Ireland, he had great success. And one of the reasons was is that he was there. That he was in Ireland. He knew the culture. He was familiar with the language. He understood the clan system. So that the very thing that caused Patrick pain, enslavement to this clan chieftain, God used that to give Patrick the insight and the, the success that none other had had. And he had that success because, again, he had been there. He was able to speak to that culture in a way no one else could. And so as God brought him back to his place of pain, 
The very things that caused him pain were now used by God to change a nation. And it, it, reports say that even Milchu, his former owner, was one of his first converts. So much like Joseph in Judah revisited their place of pain, Patrick, he revisited that place of, of his pain. And God brought a miraculous inner healing for Patrick, but did something bigger than Patrick. And that was, again, he brought a whole nation into, into faith, or many people in that nation. Just like with Joseph in Judah, that place of pain caused God to, to bring salvation to the nation that would be Israel. So I tell you those two stories because, you know, we all have places of pain in our life, places we've been deeply hurt. And, you know, although I have my own scars and wounds, I know that, that some here, you've been through tremendous times of pain. You know, some have suffered abuse from family members like Joseph. Some of you have been enslaved not necessarily to a person, but maybe to an addiction. Some have suffered poverty, or loss, sickness, betrayal, racism, again, uh, sickness and, and, uh, and relationship just destruction. And, and I get it that it's, it seems safest to, to want to stay away from those things that cause us pain, right? We want to ig ignore them because by going back to them, we, we remember that pain. But if we do that, what are we left with? Without God's healing and redemption, we're left with trying to cope with this pain ourselves. And what do we do when we try to cope with this pain ourselves? Well, sometimes we seek to control if we can just control everything, then maybe that thing, painful thing, won't happen again. But we know we can't control everything. And so what happens is then it, our desire to control, it eats us up and it destroys relationships and it just makes the pain worse. Or some people, they build up walls, right, to insulate themselves from the pain. And it's killing your relationships. And it's causing you to be even more lonely and suffer even greater pain. And God is telling each one of us that it's time for healing. It's time for redemption. But it's going to be a scary confrontation. Because God wants to return with you to that place of pain. But here's the thing. You don't return alone. God goes with you. He goes with you to that place of pain to help you bring that healing and, and show you how he can bring redemption. And so ask God to, to go with you, to bring you, bring his power, bring his healing to that place. Instead of avoiding it like it didn't happen. Because it did. And pretending like it didn't doesn't help. And, and if you do that, the stories of, of Joseph, of St. Patrick, they're going to get written anew in your life. And I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen as people have, have suffered abuse, they face that pain with God, and God not only brings inner healing to them, but then he uses that person to be a help to others. I, I've seen that in the pain of addiction. Where, where God brings that person to face that addiction and with his help and with his power, not only does that bring, person bring healing, but then they're able to help others. 
And in fact, there, there's some, many people in our church, who, a part of AA, a part of that healing process is facing the pain, but then being a mentor and using your experiences to then go back and help someone find that place of healing. And some of you have done that, and we need to praise God for those stories of redemption and healing. But those happened because you went to your place of pain. You faced those places of pain, and God did something that you couldn't through your desire to control, through the building up of the, the barriers. Again, I've seen people who've had the pain of sickness. We, that, we go to that place with God, and they can speak to others in a way that, that, that people, some can't. Again, just like St. Patrick, being able to speak to the people of Ireland because he had been there. He had been there. So yes, we praise God for those stories of redemption and we celebrate those stories and we need to tell one another those things. But I know there are some here, some online, you're still trapped by the pain. But God still heals. He still redeems. This story of healing and redemption, it's not just for Joseph. It's not just for Patrick or Judah. It is for you and I today because Jesus is still in the healing and redemption business. Your story is not done being written. Let God, ask God, don't, don't return to that place alone. Don't return to that place powerless. Instead, return with God. And with his power, and see what he can do in you and through you to bring you to that new place. So yes, it's scary, but you're not alone. God is going with you to do something amazing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, move in this sanctuary. Move to those who are watching online. We come before you with our, our hurts, our betrayals. Lord, all of those things that have caused great pain, you see in our hearts, Lord. You see each one here. Lord, we thank you for those who you've already done a great work in them. It's a testament to your power and your grace. But now, Lord, for each one, Lord, we lay down our places of pain before you. Lord, we return to those places with you. We know that you are near. We call upon you. And then, Lord, this is just a, a moment where we ask you to come with us to that place. We put our faith in you as you bring us back to that place of pain. Lord, it's only a moment now, but it is still a moment where we, we ask you. This is a step, Lord. We take a step towards that healing. And we ask that as we, as we put ourselves before you and, and return to this painful place, God, that you would guide our steps, every step. Lord, those very things that hurt us, we're facing them now with you, and we ask, Lord, bring healing. Bring healing to us. Lord, bring redemption to that situation. Lord, it seems impossible. It is scary. 
but we trust in you for this. And Lord, in the days and the weeks ahead, we know it's more than just a, it's, it's a process, God. As, as Joseph had to take 20 years, as Patrick took 20 years to face this thing, and then, Lord, there was the actual doing. We know it's a process, but Lord, we commit to that process now. Work in us, work through us. Do what only you can do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.